Welcome to Ancient Heroes, where we explore the mysteries and myths of the ancient world. I'm your host, Patrick Garvey. You can find the show notes and learn more about ancient history at ancientheroes.net. I am here with Emma Stafford, who is the professor of Greek culture at the University of Leeds. She's the author of many books and articles about ancient Greece, and um, it looks like she's basically the world's leading expert on the mythological figure Heracles. (laughs) And I have her comprehensive book about Heracles here with me. It's called Heracles. It came out in 2012. Um, So is there anything else that I'm I'm leaving out, Professor Stafford? Uh, well, that's the most that's the most important bit. But if we're waving books around, hang on a minute. Um, here's what here's 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 one I created earlier. Um, in the in the in the book that um, uh, you've you've alluded to, um, it was mostly about the ancient hero. Um, but they asked me to do a a chapter on you know what's happened to Heracles since kind of thing. Yes. Um, and I got a bit carried away. They wanted a short chapter, about six thousand words. I wrote eighteen thousand, uh, and still felt like I'd only just like kind of scratched the surface. So um, I ended up kind of getting other people together to discuss this because one of the problems of looking at your subject, how you know how it's been received by later cultures, is that obviously I can know all there is to know about the ancient Greek uh, uh, Heracles, but you know I don't necessarily know about the context of how he's being used in the 19th century or in the you know here, there, and everywhere. So I got a load yeah. of people together, um, and uh, we came up with the Hercules project, and um, <laughs> this is uh, the most recent volume of it, the modern Hercules. Um, let me just show you how thick this one is. Wow. <laughs> it's kind of uh, kind of over 600 pages. Um, uh, and there are two volumes um, came out um, uh, before that, and there's one more volume to go. So that's a lot of stuff. <laughs> great, great. Okay, we will definitely include, I wanted to ask you about the Heracles Project or Hercules Project, in the, and it looks like the modern Hercules is a uh, yeah. book and I'll include links to the I'll inclu- include links to all this in the show notes oh, so wow. listeners will be able to to find that online and, and look that up so well thanks for joining me uh, uh, first off um, and I guess my first question is it looks like you've done an incredible amount of in-depth research about the figure of Heracles and so my first question is why Heracles why has that? <laughs> figure yeah. drawn um, so much of your interest and yeah, yeah. it's a it, 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 it's a good question um and like so many things well I find in research anyway it's a combination of kind of accident and then getting really interested in it um I, I, I was um first off I give a paper about um about the way uh, the particular story of uh, Heracles encounter um, at the crossroads with the with virtue and vice when he gets to choose which way of life he's going to go on not the most obvious um, Heracles story but I gave a, a, a talk about that um, uh, at a conference way back in the mid 1990s um, and uh, after that I was actually asked to write the uh, book you had in your hand um, as part of a, a new series that Routledge were doing um, uh, but once I got sort of start, once I got going on it, I just got more and more interested. Um, I think it's kind of gone hand in hand with a broader interest as well in different ways of 
storytelling. And that's, for me, the big thing which links um, the ancient Greek material with the, the reception stuff, you know, the, the, the modern material as well. And um, this, uh, this semester, I've just been teaching um, a, a course on uh, screening antiquity. So, you know, uh, films which depict the ancient world in some way or another. And inevitably there were a few Hercules films in there. I don't know how that happened. Um, <laughs> but for me, it's what's the most interesting thing is if you kind of uh, step outside the kind of mindset, which is looking for there to be a, a right version of the story, Mm-hmm. Uh, because once you start looking at all the ancient material, you discover that even in even if you ask like kind of you know a man in the Athenian agora as it might be, <laughs> or indeed a woman in the Athenian agora, um, they would come up with different stories because there were so many different stories available. But also then you know different playwrights had written slightly different versions, different vase painters had gone for different versions, uh, so. Although modern filmmakers often get kind of, you know, slated for, oh, my God, what have they done to the character? I mean, Disney's Hercules being a really obvious example. Um, <laughs> people are kind of divided into those who, who just love it uh, and those who go, oh, but it's just not the right story. And it's like, well, yeah, in a sense, but, you know, it's still something recognisably Hercules in the middle of it. Um, and for me, that's, that, that, that's the important thing. And, and it's just fascinating then to start. So once you've decided that there's no such thing as the right story, it's then really interesting to look at all the different stories. And, you know, why have people done it differently? Why did they go for uh, this particular emphasis? Um, yeah, why did Sophocles think it was a good idea to go into great depth on the death story um, or, or um, Euripides on the madness story? Um, Hardly anybody, interestingly, none of the great kind of um, literary versions actually talks very much about the famous 12 labours, which <laughs> I, I, I guess if you were just like asking someone today, what do you know about Heracles? They go, oh, didn't he do, didn't he do a load of labours, you know? Um, <laughs> uh, and that, that, that really piqued my curiosity as to, you know, why, why that might be. Well, I think um, I'm glad you mentioned the Disney film, (laughs) because I think that at least within the millennial generation of Americans, which I can sort of speak for, I guess, uh, I hate it, but I can, I guess. Um, I think Hercules is associated with that film. I think if when someone thinks of the name, they think of that film. And, you know, I guess my I guess my uh, question for you is, can you talk a little bit about, you know, just the, the ancient figure of Heracles going back to the, the early days and sort of what his stature was like in the ancient world? Because he, it, from my research and looking into this more, it seems like he really was one of the towering figures of, of myth. It's really, it's really interesting when you try to get back as far as you can, you know, as near the beginning as you can kind of thing, because every time you think you've kind of got there, you discover that you're not actually there, <laughs> as is so often the case with these things. Um, but right back in Homer, in the Iliad and the Odyssey, um, Heracles is mentioned, but he's not part of the he's not part of the Trojan War story, so he's not you know he's not like a a, a big figure in 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 those poems. Um, but the fact that he is alluded to quite a number of times, um, you know, 
you, as some kind of comparison or somebody saying, oh, but this it was different when Heracles was here kind of thing, um, suggests that his story was already uh, well known, you know, that, that the author, um, whether it was Homer or not, that's another question, but the author of um, the uh, Iliad and, or, or authors of that and the, and the Odyssey, they completely expected their audience to know what they were talking about. Um, which suggests that the story is, you know, older again. But because we don't have any um, literature dating any earlier than um, than those epics, mm. it's, you know, it it's really hard to actually kind of get. So you, you, you kind of you can construct what might have been the story, you know, at a really early stage um, that's being picked up on there in the Homeric poems. But you can't absolutely kind of pin it down, which is which is frustrating but also kind of I, I, I guess it's also quite liberating because you can imagine <laughs> you don't need to be too uh, and, and it's not like we can uh, uh, use artworks to fill the gap either and um, I, I, I as you might have gathered I'm quite keen on using um, artwork um, as well as uh, the literary sources um, because because it's just another storytelling medium you know, it's a bit limited in in how much storytelling it can do, but still, there's a lot. I've just just so many pots with Heracles on and what have you. Um, but the trouble is that before the sort of date when we think that Homer was composed by, so before about 700 BC, um, uh, none of the artwork is um, really. You can't really identify individual uh, heroes. You know, um, those very early Greek pots have got like little kind of stick men figures on them. <laughs> And, you know, none of them are really kind of uh, uh, identifiable. Uh, there's a couple of depictions of a stick man uh, uh, who may be fighting a lion. Um, and people have wanted to make that Heracles, of course, you know, um, it's an obvious influence. But still, there's nothing absolutely definite to kind of make that connection. And even if it is meant to be Heracles, it wouldn't really get us any further because it's only that one story that you could possibly, um, you, you, you could possibly uh, kind of recognize there. So yeah, uh, but I think perhaps the one important thing that does come out of um, those brief mentions um, in Homer is that actually the, the, the fighting against monsters, so the things which, you know, are gonna settle down to be the 12 labors um, is definitely, you know the real, the kind of central, uh, the kind of central characteristic of Heracles right from the outset. He's the monster slayer. Um, that then later on might get kind of um, embellished into being, you know, the guy who brings uh, salvation um, and civilization kind of thing. Because you know you get rid of the monsters, that's what you're left with. But but that's it's the it's the one thing which I think in every different age that you then look at him um, comes shining through. The monster slaying is, is central to his, his character. And, and I also think that's kind of why he's so popular. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so those labors in defeating the yeah. monsters and making the world more safe for people and all of that is one of the, mm. the threads that runs through all of or most of the Hercules stories. Or Heracles. I'm using the names interchangeably. Um, you're, you know. yeah, you're, yeah, 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 you're good to go on that. And actually, <laughs> I, I have to kind of like keep um, keep a, a, a close eye on myself. We should perhaps have uh, we should perhaps have said right at the outset. Actually, um, a lot of people tend to know him as Hercules because of Disney, <laughs> but also because of years and years. Actually, from the Renaissance onwards, the Latin names 
for all sorts of gods and heroes um, have become more familiar in many cases than the great names. Um, so Hercules is simply what the Romans called him. Um, uh, but yeah, <laughs> there, is a, there, there, is a, there are some possible slight shades of difference between the, the Greek Heracles and the Roman um, Hercules, but uh, there's so much overlap as well. It's very difficult to uh, pick them apart. But yeah, yeah it is, it's funny that we've, we've become so uh, familiar with Hercules as the, as, as the go-to kind of name. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, one thing that I noticed that I'm really curious about in the book, you just you describe Heracles as the quintessential Greek hero. And on this show, like I'm I've become really interested in Achilles, especially yeah. probably my favorite. Uh, yeah. And he has some characteristics that he's been described as kind of a model hero. Um, and then you have Heracles as well, who is even sort of more quintessentially the hero. Uh, and I guess what I'm I guess what I'm um asking is can you just elaborate on that a little bit and kind of talk a little bit about that idea <laughs> well there, there, there are several layers to this and i have been picked up on this phrase before actually and then i thought oh, i'm not sure i actually meant quite so much by it um, <laughs> um i guess I, I guess i would defend it though um one thing which is became very clear to me when when writing that writing that book was the sheer amount of material there is um, on Heracles, that the amount of stories written about, about him, uh, the number of times they're rewritten, the, you know, the number of times he pops up on Greek vases, killing lions, fighting Amazons, etc. Uh, so we just see more of him than we do, even uh, lovely as Achilles is, we don't see as much of him um, in, in the ancient sources. Um, the, the, the next most popular uh, hero in terms of you know, kind of how many episodes there are to his story. Um, I would have said it's maybe Theseus um, because, you know, he's got the, all those kind of things he does on his way to Athens before he goes and fights the Minotaur um, and before he gets involved with the Amazons as well. But really, Heracles has just got so many more episodes to his story than anybody else. So the, 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 and, and the, those seem to be so kind of uh, popular as well. Um, I guess the other thing that actually in some senses makes him different from many Greek heroes, so maybe slightly challenging the quintessential thing, um, is that he generally acts kind of on his own. Um, I'm thinking, you know, Achilles actually is kind of a difficult workmate, especially if you're Agamemnon. Um, <laughs> <laughs> But he is part of, isn't he? He's part of a group effort. He's part of that, you know, the Greeks. He is the best of the Achaeans, you know, um, uh, fighting against the Trojans. Whereas Heracles never seems to sort of really, I mean, he has these tasks imposed on him by uh, the wicked Eurystheus. Um, so he goes off and does them. But there isn't really much sense that he's... Um, all that bothered about the people he saves from the um, uh, from these various monsters, he just kills the monsters because that's what he does, kind of thing. Right. He's just sort <laughs> of traveling around. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> one th one thing I think he does have in, in common with Achilles, actually, and uh, and I think this probably does kind of you know really characterize the great hero, is being um, excessive. Mm. Um, a lot of the time that excess is put to really good use, excessive strength, you know, kills the monsters, etc. But then sometimes 
he gets carried away with it. The whole thing about his madness and killing the children um, and his children and his wife, yeah, it's variously interpreted. But the idea somehow of his, you know, this kind of vast heroic character not being able to be kind of confined to a domestic space. And so he kind of almost bursts out of it and something, you know, and something horrible happens. Um, uh, he's excessive in his appetite. He's got a you know, real reputation for eating, eating a lot. Oh, and yeah, not just for food. Yeah, women and boys as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, I, I kind of uh, love that, you know, the hero has this kind of, uh, yeah, he, he does actually have this kind of slightly darker side, but in a sense, it's just, you know, another expression of being too much. <laughs> right. He's sort of bursting at the seams, like yeah. all these... <laughs> emotional ways um so i guess so you're touching on something that i become really interested in which is the suffering of these heroes and you know it's i think um especially when we see these modern depictions and stuff like the film where they take kind of the positive things and it's all happy ending you don't necessarily realize that within these older myths these heroes i mean you'd think heracles okay he's so strong he's the son you know he's he's um, he's partly, he's a son of a God. He's, you know, there's all these great things about him, but yet he endures so much suffering and pain and madness. And I guess, can you just talk a little bit about that and kind of, uh, I think that's something that's, that's foreign to so, some of the modern, uh, yeah. sensibilities yeah. around this. Yeah, that, 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 that's interesting actually. Cause right back, um, in the in the Odyssey in Book Eleven, where um, Odysseus um, goes to visit the land of the dead, um, uh, the very end of the descri- of that description of his visit to to uh, the underworld um, is uh, a brief encounter with Heracles, who in that version of the story is down in Hades, um, uh, you know, after after his death. Um, uh, very much what what the kind of um you know the dead heracles says is i had this you know i i, I suffered i had these ter- i i endured these terrible sufferings um you know uh, and you're like cool this is a quite a it seems quite a negative assessment of his life as it were um I, it's also um an, another quite early text a uh, little bit later than the odyssey itself but um, there's um uh a whole bunch of poems called the Homeric Hymns, um, and they're not kind of quite hymns as we might recognise today, but but they are they are poems in praise of a particular god, um, and some of them, like the Homeric Hymn to Apollo, are kind of like you know the, uh, hundreds and hundreds of lines long, um, but the Homeric Hymn to Heracles is nine lines long, and in nine lines it tells Heracles' story which is a spectacular feat given how much of that story is okay it's heavily summarized but the one thing which you know he basically says you know kind of i was i was born you know uh, son of zeus and um you know uh, i was brought up in thebes then i did all the labors i did some other stuff as well and then i died and went up to the heavens i mean yeah okay <laughs> it is one way to do it but he does absolutely emphasize um even in that really really drastically short version that he did um many of the things he did um were at the behest of or you know under the 
you know, because he had to, um, of another man, of, and of an unworthy man, in other words, right. referring to Eurystheus again. So that, I, that idea that it's all done under duress, is, um, it's really embedded there from very, very early on in the storytelling. Yeah, that is that is that is um, quite striking, isn't it? <laughs> yes, it's the, you know the um, it he didn't have such a great life. <laughs> you know, it's not like yeah. he had an incredible <laughs> life, but I don't know that anyone would want to trade places yeah. <laughs> um, with him. I guess is what I'm getting at, which is I think it's an interesting concept. So uh, you mentioned um, uh, the differing stories about his immortality and, and that kind of thing, and. Um, I'm curious what your thoughts are. I was reading about it in your book, actually, last night I was reading that section. And so it sounds like there's a little bit of a discrepancy between how he's depicted in Homer and being seen by Odysseus in the underworld with some of the other traditions where he, after um, after he dies, he joins the Olympians. And so um, what are your thoughts on that? How unique is that idea of a of a mortal hero becoming an actual Olympian yeah. god? I'm not aware of any other instance yeah. of that. So um. it's it, it is one of the things which I, I I do think does make him rather special. Um, it's quite when you sort of get into it, it gets it gets even more more sort of complicated because there are plenty of other heroes who have um, one of their parents is a, is the god, um, but. Achilles, his mum's a goddess. Um, uh, you know, his, his dad's the human in that in that case. But you know, obviously Zeus is well known for having fathered lots of children on uh, various mortal uh, women. Um, so, so in in some senses, it's kind of it's quite surprising that it doesn't happen to more of them. Yeah. But then there's um, Dionysus, who we would think of as a god, not a hero, but he's actually got a mortal mother. Uh, uh, Semele, um, but there never seems to be any kind of question except that, but that he's a god kind of thing. But with Heracles, there is this very clearly articulated story about his apotheosis. Um, you know, you can put it together from uh, various different sources, although it's kind of you know told at you know some length um, uh, in Seneca's uh, version of the uh, of his death and Ovid's version of his death you know that um, you know he dies in agony um, on, on the pyre um, after he's wearing the poison um, uh, tunic what have you um, but then that he is actually whisked in a chariot you know up to Olympus and not only that he's kind of introduced to Olympus um, according to all the vase paintings it's almost always like the goddess Athena who's been like a bit of a patron throughout his life and she kind of like presents him uh, to uh, the gods um, and not only that but he's a divine wife uh, he's married to Hebe who's, um, whose name means youth um, which I think is fantastically kind of al allegorical. Not only does he get eternal life amongst the immortals, uh, but he's given the eternal youth as well, which is, hey, that, that, that's not bad um, as a deal. <laughs> right, absolutely. Um, um, but you, you, you're right, it's really unusual. <laughs> yeah, so sorry, I'm, you're, uh, I'm getting a little bit of uh, a lag. I think the connection... Oh the connection was uh not great there just for just for a few seconds i don't think it was too bad um so okay. i'm sorry i i i live in i live in a valley <laughs> oh yeah no i think i think we're okay i think we're okay because i can hear you i can hear you fine now so um well and another thing that i uh wanted to ask you about um i've just finished 
reading some biographical uh, stuff about Leonidas of Sparta, and uh, which there isn't much of in the ancient sources. And I've been talking about that some on the podcast lately. And, uh, and, and also, I've done a, a quite a deep dive on Alexander. And both of them, you know, these kind of towering uh, famous figures of the ancient world were, had a strong association with Heracles. And, uh, and it sounds like that continued and there were different Roman leaders and things like that. So I guess, can you, can you talk a little bit about just kind of how Heracles uh, has been invoked by kind of these different leaders and conquerors and kings and things like that over the centuries? That is really fascinating. And I think it's one of the things which kind of um, I wasn't expecting when I started out. I was just expecting to, you know, pursue stories about kind of Heracles himself. Um, uh, but as soon as I, you know, started seeing that, you know, I found more and more examples um, uh, that the Spartans as a, as a, as a whole city state um, claimed Heracles as an ancestor. Um, and that seems to be uh, yeah, <laughs> you know, these kind of ancestries are always incredibly dodgy. Uh, but, you know, that idea that you could trace yourself back to uh, a great hero like Heracles, obviously kind of um, it's a way of, uh, you know, legitimating your position in in the world. And, and the kings of Sparta, um, you know, were like, well, you know, of course we're kings because we've kind of like inherited from Heracles. Um, and you're absolutely right. Um, um, yet the, the, even in that famous... Um, uh, oracle which uh is supposed to have decided the fate of the 300 at thermopylae it's all because um uh, their king had heard this um thing but the, but he but he's referred to as you know the descendant of heracles um which is uh, which is great um with uh, alexander the great um he seems to um really um or at least his publicists it's always so difficult to know whether you know was it him himself or did somebody go hey this is a good idea um, but but they certainly really made a, a big thing about it because you get it um on loads of coins um you know that uh, image of alexander wearing their lion skin and you're just like that is so neat because i i don't think there's many heroes who have um, quite such a really easily recognizable um attribute like the lion's skin um that that can be borrowed <laughs> which just makes it so you just immediately you see that image and you go oh alexander's heracles you know he just kind of you know it's it's such a, a clever um uh, image in so many ways because it kind of conjures up a, a whole kind of acre of words but just you know in a in a snapshot um and clearly it was successful because um when after Alexander's death, when you know the Greek world kind of got carved up into um, a whole lot of different kingdoms, um, a lot of the subsequent um, leaders um, uh, then also minted coins of themselves represented as Heracles, like the um, some of the early Ptolemies um, uh, ruling over uh, Egypt. They did as well, um, and so so obviously they thought, "Ha this is quite a," and and for them it was then a double whammy. It associated them with Alexander as well as Heracles. Um, so yeah, really kind of strong claim to. Uh, um, uh, and actually, interestingly, those were people whose claim was being challenged, uh, that claimed to, to power um, in the particular area. Um, you get you get a whole lot of um, uh, Roman generals in the late Republic do it. Um, and then uh, several several Roman emperors as well, um, a particularly famously um, 
the slightly mad Emperor Commodus um, has himself represented wearing that lion skin, uh, which is just, just, yeah, you're like, all right, okay. Um, <laughs> you're not really my idea of Heracles, but you know, if you say so, <laughs> yeah, which I like. <laughs> so the lion skin, because I have, I have a little necklace with that coin with the lion skin, <laughs> the Alexander coin. And it was great because I, I had the necklace. Uh, I, 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 I used to wear it all the time when people used to leave their houses and all that. And I was at the British Museum um, uh, a couple of years ago and they actually had the, you know, they have those coins yeah. in there. Oh. So, yeah, so I, 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 I love that. And so I guess the key symbols associated with Heracles are the lion skin, which is that the pelt of the Nimian lion that he... Yeah. That he killed okay and then also the club yeah and yeah what's the deal uh, with so, the club? is the club yeah, it's older? <laughs> well yeah it, it is interesting because it's you know it's the least sophisticated weapon you can think of isn't it yeah, yeah uh, um um there is um the we we have got a couple of lines somewhere um which um attribute the idea of representing Heracles like this um, to um, a, a poet um, who was uh, sort of working in the um, sort of middle of the sixth century at BC. It's, but in fact, even in that brief uh, description in the Odyssey that I mentioned earlier, when he's in the underworld, um, he is described as looking very fearsome um, and having, uh, but it, it doesn't, I, I don't think it specifies the club there. Um, but certainly, yeah, it becomes his absolutely most common thing. Um, and it's what you recognise him by in Vars paintings. You know, um, usually it's the landscape and the club. Occasionally it's, you know, just one or the other. Um, and you also get artists who, as it were, kind of um, get it wrong. Um, not that there's such a thing as getting it wrong. Uh, but, you know, they'll show him wearing the lion skin while fighting the lion. You know, which, of course, doesn't make any kind of sense. But, you know, you can kind of see it's because it's become such a sort of, you know, it's his costume kind of thing. Sure. Um, sure. <laughs> my, my last big question here uh, for you is, is why do you think that, I mean, um, as, as I've dug more into Heracles, it's clear that across multiple cultures and long spans of time, there's this continued interest. I mean, who would think that even though, yeah. as we talked about, the Disney film is much yeah. different than a lot of the myths, yeah. it's still kind of amazing that thousands of years later, it's yeah. still in popular <laughs> culture so much. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't think people realize today how prominent yeah. it was in the past in the yeah. ancient world so why do you think uh heracles has this sticking power why do you think people are so fascinated and continue to kind of like go back to this myth yeah it, it is the million dollar question really um which i i would i, I think i'm never going to finish answering um but let me try um, <laughs> i i think he he managed to survive um the transition from antiquity to once Christianity took hold, because um, uh, some people were kind of able to rationalize him as being a sort of um, almost like a, a forerunner of Jesus Christ, uh, born of a mortal woman, God as a father, um, you know, and then performed a load of, well, you know, fighting monsters miracles yeah yeah people worked really hard at kind of making them kind of similar um, yeah. but i think i think it's it, um, the other thing is the fact that he was kind of started off um 
you know, in this position of weakness, um, you know, with somebody else telling him what to do all the time, but that he ends up actually um, uh, as a God kind of thing does make him um, quite a, a very aspirational figure. So mm. you either want to be him or you want to be rescued by him kind of thing. Right. Um, uh, 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 and that kind of uh, has a, and to go back to the monster slaying, which as I said, was is so central to him, uh, to his story right from the beginning. And is what it keeps coming up again and again in uh, in yeah modern films and what have you. Um, it kind of there is that real sort of good versus evil kind of thing, which does seem to be pretty ubiquitous in in uh, storytelling. I mean, I really enjoyed um, the 2014 um, Hercules film with Dwayne Johnson, um, who I think makes a fantastic Hercules, um, and he had a and, and he has a great lion skin. Um, that's kind of postmodern in its approach. And one thing which I love about the film is that it constantly questions. Um, you know, somebody at the, set, at the beginning says, oh, did, did you really kill the lion? And Hercules says, so people say. And it's kind of just left a bit kind of, you know. Um, <laughs> awesome. um, and, and, in, and in fact, it becomes clear in that film that he needs help from his friends, um, which, of course, is a, is a modern construct, but it's a really nice one. The idea that, you know, he couldn't possibly be this figure from legend who is so self-sufficient. Uh, actually, the only way he can operate is with a kind of band of companions. Um, so I, I think that that's quite a nice variation, but it is just, you know, another step in the in this long, long, long history of people going, this is a great story. Let's kind of, you know, let's do something to it to make it feel really relevant to us now. Uh, just, I think that it just keeps on, this is, it keeps on being done again and again and again. Yeah. Yeah, and I the point about him being compared to Jesus in the idea of Heracles as the yeah. savior of humanity, uh, wow, there yeah. are a lot of parallels. As you explain it, I read about it some in your book, and then now as yeah. you explain it again, I'm like connecting the dots going, <laughs> wow, yeah. I mean, it, it does seem like kind of a, uh, you know, uh, an older version yeah. of that kind of yeah. story, um, especially even with the death and, and all of that, you know, dying a painful yeah. sort of death and... Yeah. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> wow. Okay. Well, thank you so much, uh, <laughs> Professor Saffer, for joining me. Um, I, like I said, I'll include links to all of your work and, and books and Great. stuff like that on the website. Is there anything else you want to add? <laughs> I was just going to, I was just going to say, um, in connection with the, uh, comparisons to Jesus, um, he was, he was worshipped as a god in some parts of Greece, um, uh, as in people sacrificed cows to him and that kind of thing. But on the island of Thassos, they particularly worshipped him as saviour. He actually was called Heracles Soter, Heracles the saviour. And I think that, that really kind of sums that up quite nicely. Yes, definitely. That's, that's great. I'm going to keep, I'm going to keep researching that and looking into that. We really appreciate your perspective. I know, I know listeners are going to love hearing this uh, and, and hopefully we can talk again one day about ancient Greece, maybe some other topic. No worries. It means it's, uh, uh, you can't stop me talking about Heracles. So it's great to have uh, such an appreciative uh, listener. Um, it's been, uh, been, been really good. Thank you for having me. Thank you, Professor Zaffer. Talk soon. Thanks to Derek Feister for composing the music used in this episode. If you like the show, consider leaving us a review on iTunes or your podcast app. 
Until next time.